Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Now, say my name. Eisenberg, you're damn right. Welcome to Los Podcast Hermanos, the HHW LOD Breaking Bad Podcast. Welcome to Los Podcast Hermanos, episode 6, where we will be discussing season 5, episode 14 of Breaking Bad, Ozymandias. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight by the whole crew for the first time We've got John, we've got Russ, we've got Jim, and we've got Frank A. Rincon. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. I'm shaking. Yeah, I am great. I am so excited about this episode. My eyes were so big throughout portions of this episode that they literally hurt after I was finished watching. And that is strangely a good thing. <laughs> um, before we talk about this week's episode, though, let's talk about Better Call Saul, gentlemen, shall we? Yeah, let's... So it now seems to be official, and we have some more information about the spinoff from Breaking Bad. It will be called Better Call Saul. It's going to be an hour-long show on AMC, and it will be uh, a prequel. Now we know for sure that will focus on the evolution of Saul Goodman before he ever became Walter White's lawyer. We don't know a lot about it beyond that, except it looks like the showrunner is going to be Peter Gould, and Peter Gould is the writer who created... Um, Saul Goodman with Vince Gilligan, the showrunner of Breaking Bad, and it looks like Vince Gilligan will executive produce, or he'll have some involvement. Um, and I, I don't think the showrunner is fully set, but that's what they're saying. It looks like it's going to be right now. Nobody's, like, fully signed on. They're still signing all the paperwork. But this looks pretty darn official. So hopefully, by this time next year, we'll be seeing more in the Breaking Bad universe. Well, I mean, you've got Bob Odenkirk. I mean, if anybody... I don't know if you guys ever watched Mr. Show or not. But I mean, he they, the the comedy level on that was hilarious, I and mean, he's a great comedic actor. It's going to be an awesome treat to see this show. I think it's going to be great. So, speaking of Mister Show, I, I was uh, reading on uh, Reddit where somebody suggested that the driver of the vacuum cleaner repair service van, the disappear guy, should be played by David Cross. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Although uh, I think I know who actually does play it. And we'll get to that in the spoiler portion later. I, you know, when they think of Saul, he just he seems like a. Um, like a humorous character, I just can't help but think that this will be treated like a, a comedy, or I just can't see it being treated as a drama for some reason. I think they're going to go dark comedy. I mean, I think that would be obvious you know, if they want to draw that Breaking Bad demographic, you know, onto the new show. That that'd probably be the way to go. And you just surround him with slightly more serious. Did characters. you guys ever watch the um, Lone Gunman series, which was the spinoff from X Files? The only reason oh, yeah. I bring that up is. You know, I know Vince Gilligan, he uh, he had a lot to do with, with X-Files and stuff, and I think that was his show, if I'm not mistaken. No, you're right. Wasn't the guy who played Mike in that show? And Brian Cranston, possibly? Oh, that that I don't know, but I I, I just remember it. Cranston was on um, X-Files. I do gotcha. remember that the show just had a, a very light, humorous touch that was very different from X-Files. And uh, I was sad to see that show go. I thought it was a lot of fun. Well, do we have anything else to add about Better Call Saul before we jump into our discussion of Ozymandias, gentlemen? Yes, Kubi and Huel, I would like to add to Better Call Saul. Yeah, I hope they get a chance to show up. I hope Mike gets a chance to show up, because if it's a prequel and he's still doing jobs with Saul, there's every reason to think he could show up at some point. I wonder if if it's not a, uh, a switcheroo that they're saying it's a prequel so they don't give anything away, and then it turns out to not be a prequel. I could also see it set up in almost a lost format where it's flashbacks, like it's modern day Saul after Breaking Bad, like in the beginning and end of the episode, but the rest of the show takes place in the past, showing you how he became Saul Goodman. Because remember, Saul Goodman isn't his real name, um, and kind of just the, the evolution of whoever he was into Saul Goodman. Possibly. Either way, I'm in. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> me too. 
So, Ozymandias is the 14th episode of the fifth season of Breaking Bad, and it aired as we record this last night. It was written by Maura Wally Beckett and directed by Ryan Johnson, who previously directed Fly. And uh, what was the other episode he directed? Does anybody remember off the top of their head? No. <laughs> no. That is your <laughs> and Russ's department. <laughs> uh, he, epi- he directed Fly, 51, and Ozymandias. I was listening to the uh, Breaking Bad Insider podcast today, and uh, they really wanted him to direct this episode. They had really uh, picked him because he also did Looper, I believe. That was his... uh Looper, The Brothers Bloom, and Brick, which uh, I've seen all three. I definitely recommend Looper and Brick and Brothers Bloom. I need to see again. But they, uh, but yeah, they specifically wanted him for for this episode. Well, I mean, it totally makes sense. His first episode, Fly, was all about will Walt accidentally spill the beans about Jane to Jesse, and uh, that kind of comes full circle here. So, I mean, thematically, I thought it was perfect. I read somewhere on the internet that uh, Guillermo del Toro desperately wanted to direct this episode. Yes, really? Ryan Johnson told him something to the effect of, apparently they're friends, uh, he said something to the effect of, sorry, I'm the one who gets to bang the prom queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, well put. Besides, I don't really think giant robots have a place in Breaking Bad, but that's just me. So the episode opens in the cold open with a flashback all the way back to the pilot of Breaking Bad with Walt and Jesse doing their first meth cook out in Tahajali. And uh, they they, I don't remember if any of the footage they showed was actually from the pilot. I think maybe a few shots were, but that that was all that was all shot for uh, that was all new footage. They they did shoot that. Uh, None of it was from the first season. And that was actually the last day of shooting uh, because they had to get Walt to shave his facial hair and stuff. So they had to finish everything up. And that was the last day of shooting. Oh, wow. And, and I guess, did they recreate then a couple lines from the pilot? Because a couple of those lines seemed very um, familiar. You know, I take it. I didn't, you know, I'm basing this off the uh, off the um, uh, the official podcast. Um they, they wanted to create a scene that would be contrasted later on in the show, which we'll talk about in a moment. But, you know, they also kind of wanted to show, right, um, right. you know, him telling his first lie to Skylar concerning the meth. You know, that, that's what that scene is supposed to paint. Right, it's right. like he's gearing up to, you know, head down the road where he becomes Heisenberg and all this mess uh, start. You know, Jordan, I, I did remember something to the effect of uh, a similar scene with Skylar selling things on eBay. And I couldn't re- That's not what I'm referring yeah, to. Yeah, that's that's the one that triggered my memory. And I wondered, did she do that in the pilot? Or was it around the first season somewhere where... I think at one point she had the laptop on the bed and maybe Walt was talking. And he, yeah. she was like, oh, I sold a uh, something for nine bucks. I think it might have been the same item and they were kind of referring to it. She definitely sold things in the pilot. It was a different item because that actually came up in the story sync. Um, I forget what the item was, but it definitely was a different thing than the ugly clown sculpture thing that she sold right. this episode. Um, I don't think they referenced it too many times after the pilot. No, though. no. But so it was actually very weird to see a reference to her eBay business after six right. years now. But so, yeah, as you guys have said, uh, he calls Skylar to give her an excuse about, oh, Bogdan needs me to go look over his files at the car wash so I can't come home. And he's all practicing the lie before he even calls her. And she doesn't even care. She's fine with it. Um, she's like you said, she sold this item for nine bucks on eBay. She made a couple dollars profit, but she does float the name Holly for the soon to be born second child. And they talk about this for a while. And it's hard to tell whether Walt is faking his agreements for the name because he just does, doesn't want to go back to the lie and he wants to keep it on uh, this pleasant conversation. But uh, he does agree, oh, Holly, that name's kind of growing on me. And then uh, Walt, as he stands on the rocks, fades out of the frame and we're left with just the RV and Jesse in the background. And then that, too, fades out of frame and we cut to the opening credits. It was a great, uh, a great opening, you know, just to make you realize how far it's come and how good his intentions were or how he, you know, what he thought of his intentions and how everything has changed since then. Well, it was interesting when we started with this flashback, there had been on IMDb for the longest time mentions of uh, Jane coming back for this episode and a couple other dead characters. 
And so this is just another reminder, never trust IMDb for anything that hasn't come out yet because it's oftentimes wrong. It can be edited by anyone. It's less reliable than Wikipedia. But when it started with a flashback, I went, oh, it was right. And we're going to have a whole bunch of flashbacks this episode somehow. Um, that, of course, did not come to pass. But it definitely got me thinking that as we started. Uh, edit. It's interesting. His face is wider, I feel like, in the uh, <laughs> the remake of the pilot than it was in the pilot. Yeah, I mean, it's he's slightly... Well, well you know what's interesting to me? Um, we probably should have said this on the show, but they had him. Uh, he they had him a bit pudgy for the beginning, and then he right, and then he loses weight as the cancer comes and as the show goes on. So I think I would think he would be thinner now than for the actual pilot, but it doesn't really come off that way when you look at them side by side. Yeah, that's exactly right. what I was thinking. Oh, okay, edit, edit back in. Sorry about that. So after the opening credits, we come back and. I don't actually remember this in the episode, but one review I said said uh, that the cars then fade into frame as it comes back. If that happens, I did not notice it, but if it did... Yeah, the one, um, I wouldn't call it an SUV, that one, like, white truck that they were all shooting from behind, the Nazi guys. Yeah, it was a pickup, Yeah, that one, that one definitely came back into frame. And we just hear a bunch of gunfire, and then it just ends. And as we pan around, we first see that... All the neo-Nazis are absolutely fine, except for being neo-Nazis. Um, we see that Gomez... I hate Albuquerque Nazis. <laughs> uh, Gomi is dead. Uh, R.I.P. Stephen Cazada. Uh, your smile we will be missed on the show. Uh, but Gomez is definitely dead. And Hank has been shot in the gun and is hiding behind a tire. Uh, as the Nazis come out to check and see what the wreckage is, he sees Gomez's shotgun on the ground and he starts crawling for it. But the Nazis get to him first. Uh, Walt starts yelling, don't, don't do it, don't shoot him, don't shoot him. He finally gets out of the SUV and he runs over and he pleads for Hank's life. He tells Jack, I've got $80 million buried around here. Uh, you, you've got to let him out. They have a whole standoff where Hank, to the bitter end, refuses to cave his morals. He has integrity. Um, Walt keeps telling him to play along and to just just say you won't go after them and it'll all be fine, it'll all be fine. And Hank says, you don't get it, Walt. You're the smartest guy I've ever met. And you don't see that he made up his mind 10 minutes ago. And then he tells Jack to go F himself. And then in in kind of the bottom of the frame, he gets shot either in the head or the stomach. But our focus is on Walt. All the sound cuts out. Uh, he falls to his knees. He falls over. It's, it's very reminiscent of the shot of when Gus's partner was killed in that flashback. Yeah, by the pool. Uh, a few seasons ago. Yeah. And uh, Walt just lies on his side in the dirt. It's also reminiscent of the Shelley Ozymandias poem. And uh, it's, it's really tough. It's really rough as, you know, no sound except for just kind of the wind going through the frame. And he just lies there destroyed. You know, two, two and a half men died in this episode in, in the desert. It wasn't just Hank and Gomez. It was what was left of, of Walt's soul as well. Kind of just was destroyed there. And I know I called it last week on on the whole thing with Hank, but um, he really went out like Hank. You know what I mean? He didn't plead for his life. He didn't beg. You know, he told him to to go f himself. I mean, Integrity that, to the end. Yeah, exactly. It's it wouldn't very, have, very much. It wouldn't have very, done any. Very much Hank. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have done any good anyway. Like Hank, Hank knew that he was going to be dead one way or the other. So why, you know, why go out whining and screaming and begging when it wasn't going to make a difference anyway? There was a. Uh, right. th there's a bit of a of a he, Watchmen connection, or at least I thought there was. In that, you know, the name of this episode is Ozymandias, and there's that line about, like, he made up his mind 10 minutes ago in Watchmen. There's that line about, you know, yeah. I did that, you know, that happened 35 minutes ago. It, it seemed kind of, it seemed to be a little bit of, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I felt there was a like a Watchmen vibe there. And if it was intentional, it wasn't, like, distracting, or it, it didn't feel out of place. It felt very natural to the scene. Do you guys think there's any way, because we saw Hank get shot from a distance, and it I couldn't tell that he got shot in the head. Do you think there's any way at all that they buried Hank out in the desert there, and maybe he crawls his way no. out somehow, and that he's maybe not dead? Four do feet down under dirt, there's no way. Even if you were alive, you would suffocate and die. You wouldn't be able to dig yourself I out would of that be, I would be very yeah. angry if he were alive. I mean, he he went out yes. like a champ. <laughs> Me too. You know the. Unless you're Uma Thurman, then you're dead. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I just I say that because we've seen Hank kind of go against the odds before. And the thing with Marie, the only thing with that, I mean, I, I really like the, the call to Marie in the last episode. But the only negative to that is it was so telegraphed. Like, you know, there's no way that Hank was going to make it out alive after that, that heart-wrenching phone call to Marie. Um, right. Yeah, it, but even without the phone call, there was no way he was getting out of it because he was facing six neo-Nazis with assault weapons, you know? Yeah, but again, I mean, Hank was basically unarmed against two psychopathic, uh, you know, twin Mexican, you know, cousins and, and uh, you know, somehow <laughs> managed to get out, so... Like I said, we've seen him kind of defy the odds um, a couple times. So I don't know. It's just it was just something I I, I just something that went through my head. But um, I I agree it would kind of cheapen it. But it just it just makes me wonder a little bit. I was gonna say you read you read too many comic books, Russ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, nobody, nobody, no death uh, rule. I think uh, you know doesn't apply here. I think I think that's I think we had a body. Yeah, totally. The comparison of of the shot they used with Gus laying by the pool and um, and Walt laying down after Hank gets killed, it's more than reminiscent. It's like almost exactly the same shot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we've seen, you know, this isn't the first time that we've compared something that Gus did to something that Walt did for sure. There's even a repeated shot in this episode. Uh, the shot of, you see it once in the cold open when Walt talks to Skylar on the phone. But it's the same framing three different times of the knife block with the knives and the phone yeah. on the counter uh, happens three times identically. So as Walt is lying on the ground, you're just sobbing, he sees under uh, his car and we can see that just briefly, Jesse is hiding underneath of Walt's car. He did not run away or at least not that far. It is a good uh, hiding space, at least for now. But uh, while Walt is on the ground, the Nazis come over and Jack holds out his hand where he has the GPS coordinates, the latitude and longitude written on his hand. And he basically says, so money, huh? That's that's what you guys were after. Makes sense. Because normally when people give me directions, they tell me, you know, turn left at the gas station, third exit. This is a totally different manner or matter. So he has Kenny bring out his fancy (laughs) phone to bring out the GPS app. They find all the money uh, hidden under the earth. They dig it out. They put all the barrels in the back of the pickup truck. But then Jack tells them, you know what? Take one out, put it in Walt's car. And uh, he even criticizes to Todd. He criticizes the other guys going, there's a lot of greed out here today, which was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, and he goes over to Walt and he, he makes Walt shake his hand. Basically says, I need to make sure we're square here. You know, my nephew looks up to you. And I can't have him mad at me, so I need to make sure we're square. This is going to go another way. And Walt shakes his hand, but then as Jack walks away, he he says to him, without even turning around to look at him, there's still the matter of Pinkman. You still owe me his death. And Jack says, well, if we find him, we'll, we'll absolutely do that. And, he, and Walt goes, I already know where he is. He points Jesse out under the car. The Nazis drag him out. It looks like they're going to kill him right there. Uh, Walt gives the go-ahead and everything. And uh, But Todd jumps in and says, wait a second, wait a second. If Jesse was working with the DEA, we should really bring him back to our place and interrogate him, find out what he told them. And then, you know, Mr. White, we'll take care of him after that. It's no problem. And is that okay with you? Jack asks him, and Walt gives a go-ahead. But before they take Jesse away, Walt walks over, looks him in the face, and tells him, I watched as Jane die. I could have stopped it, and I didn't. And that destroys Jesse. That is one of the most cold-blooded things I've seen that character do in this entire series. You know, oh, yeah. Him telling Jesse that right to his face. I mean, that was just... Uh, in, in an episode full of jaw-droppers, that was the one that really made my jaw hit the floor. Well, well how many times, not just on this show, on Los Podcast Hermanos, but just in general, when we talked about Breaking Bad, how many times have we gone over how is Jesse going to find out? Will Jesse find out? How could he possibly find out? And it for it to be Walt to purposefully, not like Fly, not where he's drugged up and he almost lets it slip, but for him to purposefully, coldly, soullessly look him in the face and just to hurt him, tell him what happened was insane. <sighs> were you guys were you guys totally swerved when uh, they load the gun behind Jesse's head and then suddenly he's looking up at like buzzards chasing each other? Like I was expecting to hear that bang like any second. I thought Jesse was done 
Like that, I don't know, that shot of him looking up into the sky and they sort of focus on those birds for a little while. Right. I was waiting for him to pull a Walt and be like, wait a second, buzzards, everybody, that means <laughs> X is going to happen, so you can't kill me. But, uh, of course, you know, I, I do have to say that, I, that I, there was a little bit of groan on my part when Todd came out and, and said, wait a second, um, because I really thought he, he was going to die right there. And it just seemed like it seemed very convenient how that happened. You know, it seems very convenient that, you know, he saved at that moment. But, of course, we see later on that, you know, Todd had had bigger plans for for Jesse. So it makes sense. But uh, like I was just prepared for him to die right there. Yeah, it, it threw me for a bit of a loop, but I think it was... I don't know if worth it's the right term, because what comes later is horrible, but it was... I mean, and horrible... Well-written, horrible things. Um, so I think it was worth it, I guess, but it, it did kind of annoy me at the time. Check out the big brain on <laughs> Meth Damon. <laughs> Meth Damon. And so I think it happens a little bit in the ep- later in the episode, but it's right here in my synopsis, so let me just go to the next and final scene with Jesse in the episode. We cut to a basically a Rancor pit, which was very strange, with a tied-up, chained-up, beaten, half-to-death Jesse um, in the bottom of this. Uh, what would that be in real life? Is there a legitimate reason for that, or is that just the type of thing that crazy neo-Nazis have? It puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> Yeah, it was very similar to that. But, I mean, it's not like a, oh, that's for washing something or, you know. I think the, the term would be abattoir, wouldn't it? Is that what it's for? No, it's just that's what it's called. Like a to- your okay. own personal torture dungeon. Well, that that's basically what it is. Yeah, abattoir. You know, maybe it's meant to catch, you know, rainwater. I don't know. I mean, they're out in the desert. <laughs> or you dry tobacco in one of those or something. Like, maybe I feel it's like it has meant some to legitimate catch use. cooks. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, it's very effective. Um, that's for sure. Um, but so Jesse's, you know, chained up down there, just chained to himself, but he's um, very beaten up down there. Todd drops a ladder down, walks down, and Jesse starts freaking out and says, I told you everything you wanted to know. There's only one copy of the tape. It's at his house. No one else knows. You can just go get it and destroy it. Um, I, I told you everything. And Todd is actually kind of very nice to him, you know, at least in... Todd's <laughs> standards. Yeah, by Todd's standards. In that context, is very nice to him. He helps him up the ladder. He brings him into this big warehouse where he then chains Jesse to essentially a dog run in the middle of a meth kitchen. And Jesse kind of looks around blankly as we see in the background Todd putting on a hazmat suit. And Jesse walks around looking at, as far as he can with the dog lead anyway, looks around at the various uh, cooking implements there, and he sees at the end of the workbench a picture of Andrea and Brock as kind of a reminder that we know who they are, we know where they are, and this is our insurance that you will help us because you'd try anything and we will hurt them. That's at least what's the... Implicitly, it is saying. And then um, Todd says to Jesse, let's cook. And that's the last we see of Jesse or Todd this episode. If you just came into $70 million, would you really care about having to cook meth? You forget, though, Todd is obsessed with Lydia. He wants to please her. Remember the last episode where she came and told him that the stuff was the wrong color and that's, you know, that's their trademark, that's how they have to do it? Um, he knows Jesse knows how to do that. So, I mean, he's obsessed with her. He's definitely going to do that even though he has all that money. That's... And you're splitting seventy million among like the six guys who were there, plus their families and everything. Plus you got overhead, all those plus, Nazi flags, yeah, plus, plus you know Jack's going to shoot rental everybody. Fee for the... <laughs> yeah, 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 the rental fee for the warehouse stuff gets expenses, yeah. expensive rather. It, it adds up. That's the the one part of the equation that's weird to me is the little is the Lydia end of it. I mean, we're down to two shows. She's still involved. They added this little bit about Todd being kind of obsessed with her last episode. or um, Was it two episodes? No, it was last episode. And, you know, I just don't know how it's going to fit, if at all, the rest of the way. Well, at this point, that ricin's going in her tea, right? I mean, I'm not the first to say it by far, but it just feels like that's where it needs to end up. You know, this could have been the last episode of the series, and I would have been fine with it. I'm, I, I'm failing to see what the last two episodes bring about. You know, I know we have the fast for uh, we have the flash forwards we need to take care of, but um, you know, I, I mean, Hanks 
uh, or well, I'm sorry, Walt has essentially gotten away scot free. His family, you know, I don't think they're going to be implicated. I don't think they're going to be after stuff that Walt said said to a Skyler on the phone. You know, I don't think the DEA is going to do anything with with her or her family. So aside from not having any money, I almost wonder if we're going to see Marie Skyler and and Flynn and them ever again. Oh, I feel like like Marie dies next episode. Um, the thing that Jesse said as Todd was dragging him out of the, well, not dragging, but helping him out of the abattoir, where he's like, you know, there's only the one copy of the tape. It's at his house. Nobody knows about it. I feel like she's going to die when they go to get that tape. Yeah. Mm, I don't see that. I don't see that coming. We'll see. Could be. <laughs> but I don't know. They yeah. just felt to me like there's no reason to have that conversation unless something comes out of it. You know, or like the specifics, like him saying, I told you everything you wanted to know, fine. But giving those details, that you know, I, I did hear this really interesting fact about Todd. And this is going back to last uh, last week's episode where the where he wipes off the lipstick off Lydia's um, coffee mug. Um, <clears throat> right. The uh, the part where he brings the mug up to his mouth to take a sip out. Th- that was not in the script. The actor added that. And they can't. And they oh, kept really? that scene because it was just. He just did it so well. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's awesome. That, that was kind of interesting that he brought that to the uh, to the character. I mean, um, Todd's just so wonderfully odd. Yes. <laughs> so let's cut back to Walt now for the rest of the episode. Uh, he is driving back to his home when all of a sudden his car runs out of gas in the desert. He gets out of the car and he looks at the car and he sees that right by the fuel tank there is a bullet hole from the shootout that has drained the gas from his tank. And in the reflection, you see Walt twice. One time, kind of very well framed, so you can see him clear on and very clearly. And the other time, it is distorted, kind of on the wheel well, and the bullet hole is in the center of his forehead. So, foreshadowing? Possibly. I need a good commentary track on, uh, or an, a bonus disc in that giant uh, set that's coming out with... Uh you know, comments on what we all have thought up of ourselves <laughs> and what the writing team has actually put in on purpose. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So we then get, I wouldn't quite say a musical montage, but it is a scene set to music as Walt abandons the car and he rolls the barrel through the desert. And did everyone see the little Easter egg? I in the heard desert? about it. I did not see it. Walt's piss yes. from the pilot that flew off the RV as they drove barreled down the road with the uh, with the Crazy Eight and the other guy whose name escapes me in the back seat or in, in the back of the RV. Those pants flew off of the RV and somewhat rotted pairs of, uh, a somewhat rotted pair of pants are in the desert as Walt rolls by. He doesn't even notice them, but they are intended to be the same pair of pants. And that, that scene's cool. been referred to as the dung beetle scene. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> So Walt finally rolls the barrel till he finds a house where there's an old Native American man and a truck. And Walt says, I want to buy your truck. The guy says it's not for sale. Walt pulls out a bundle of $10,000. And the next thing we know, he is driving that truck up to his house with the barrel of money in the back. You know, it's funny. As Walt goes up uh, to this Native American man and, and certainly an older man and a guy kind of like a man of the earth you know and and he's offering him to he's offering to buy the truck and the guy tells him no and i'm just like you see this is going to be the scene where money means nothing to this guy and it's going to be this contrast of how walt has all this money you know and this other native american man could care less it's not about the money but of course i was completely (laughs) wrong and (laughs) he was bought by one stack of (laughs) of hundred dollar bills I, I'd say that he made his money back and then some getting uh, or selling that truck for 10 grand. That truck didn't cost 10 grand. <laughs> that, that was great. Just seeing the uh, the cash whip out and then the barrel in the back of the truck. That was just good cutting. And I was thinking Walt was going to have to open the barrel and pull out a bundle of money and that the guy was going to see the money and he was going to want more. But instead, they just had him pull it out of his pocket. So they got around that one completely. So we then cut over to the car wash where Marie shows up and she tells Skylar that Walt is being held in custody by Hank. And she says, look, I, you know, kind of what we've seen before, but I, you know, I don't understand why you did what you did, but I support you and we're going to get through this. I know this is Walt's fault and not your fault, but you need to a destroy that DVD and any copies of the DVD that said Hank was behind the whole thing and B 
you need to bring Walt Jr. in here and tell him the truth because it's better coming from the two of us than it is from some, you know, faceless men in suits that he doesn't know. And Skyler is just uh, taken aback by this. She does not want to do it. But we then cut to Walter Jr. in the office with the two of them as he is dumbfounded by the whole thing. Uh, he says they're insane. If this is true, they're both insane. This is BS. And uh, he just kind of freaks out about it. And so we finally get the scene of Walt Jr. finding out the truth, which we've been talking about for a while. Did it meet your expectations? What did you think, guys? I don't know. <laughs> um, I had some people kind of at work kind of question that scene, even though Marie explains why they did why they had to do it that way it did really just kind of seem to happen very suddenly um but you know i thought walt jr or flynn or marie calls him flynn for some you know i know he was going by flynn but she seems to be the only one that that still calls him by that name um he he really did kind of kind of and we'll talk about later he really does kind of stand up and and uh become i don't know lack of a better word but really mans up when he needs to for the family's sake um but the scene itself he follows hank's example rather than waltz yeah he does and um and yeah it, it was okay it just seemed i don't know it seemed a little rushed maybe just, I know they had to get that segment out of the way for story's sake, but it just kind of seemed to happen kind of right. fast. Right. Like, would you really do it in the car wash? Like, they couldn't take them home, you know? Yeah. Or, and again, it probably doesn't make well, sense for the sake of time on the show and everything, but... It didn't bother me when it happened, the uh, you know, or where it happened, rather, at the car wash, but my only problem with it was, I don't know, I thought R.J. Mitty's... Um, performance, which I think he redeemed himself later in the episode, but his performance felt rushed. Like, it was very, very fast, and it felt like he needed to take a step back and just do it at, I don't know, 80% of that speed. Something about that just felt off. I still thought it was a funny scene, but it wasn't really supposed to be funny, but his reaction amused me, and I didn't think it was supposed to. Uh, But so then, Skylar drives Holly and Walt Jr. back to their house, where they discover a strange pickup truck in their uh, driveway Uh, as they go in Walt is coming out with uh, some bags already packed we'd seen him packing earlier on and uh, he tells him need to get inside right now we need to pack everything that's important to you and we need to go and they keep questioning him Uh, we we, we were told you were in custody we were told you were in handcuffs where's Hank what's going on and finally he he tells him you know don't worry about it I'll tell you later and Hank and Marie says where is Hank and she goes, you killed him, didn't you? And he goes, I, ne- I tried to negotiate with him. I tried to stop this. And when she finally assumes that he himself killed Hank and he's just lying to her, we get the second instance of that shot of the knife and the phone. She grabs the knife. She kind of puts a hand out to block Junior behind her, uh, kind of like an old school uh, before uh, before seatbelts, what you'd do if somebody else was in the passenger seat and you had to throw on your brakes. She holds the knife out and tells Walt to get out of there, to leave. And when he refuses, she swings the knife and cuts Walt's hand. And then this is where this is the part where my eyes started bugging out. They have a crazy fight as they roll through the living room. The knife keeps flying in different directions. Uh, I, it looks like at one point Walt bites Skyler's arm to I make her drop the happened. knife. Yeah. And, yeah. and then Junior jumps on Walt's back, wrestles him off, throws him to the side, uh, gets in between the two of them grabs the phone, he calls 911 as Walt is yelling, you know, we're a family, what is happening to us? And and then he kind of just says it again, we're a family, and realizes that it's all over. And so he goes to leave, but he passes by baby Holly in the crib, and he grabs her. Junior sees it first, he kind of points his mom in that direction, they both start freaking out. Walt gets into the truck, He and the other vehicles behind him, he kind of pushes it directly out of the driveway and drives away as Skylar is screaming after him in the driveway uh, for him to come back to bring her baby back. And let's just talk about the scene, guys, because to to me, that scene earlier in the season where it's Marie and Skylar fighting over Holly was heartbreaking. And to think that, in retrospect, it was just set up for an even crazier scene kind of blows my mind. Yeah, I was pretty sure that... uh... Skylar was going to get stuck with that knife while they were rolling around on the ground and wrestling with it for some reason. Or it flies up and kills the baby or stabs <laughs> Junior accidentally. Yeah, I, I really thought that, that, Jordan, something like that was going to happen. Um, it's, it, was just, it was tense, man. I mean, I, I, I was just like, 
I was with a group of people watching it, and uh, and everyone was just gasping. You know, they just couldn't believe it. Do you think there was any significance about the hand being sliced? Oh, I'm sure somebody who's got a better grasp of classical literature could go like, oh, that refers to this classical myth or something. They did seem to focus on it for like a l- little bit longer than... You d- the hand was definitely frozen there with the cut right. for a second. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah, but was that to like give it deeper meaning or just to show you he's actually injured? I don't injured, know. You I'm know? just saying that they definitely focused on it. Yeah, it, to me it feels like there, there, there's probably some type of special meaning there that we're just missing. And maybe it's set up for something that we'll see later on. Like maybe someone else gets stabbed in the hand later on or Walt gets stabbed in the hand again or the other hand or um, only time will tell, I guess. If we're missing something, listeners, uh, call in or email in. Let us know. So the police show up to the White household, as does Marie, um, and they tap the phones when Walt calls. Now, before he calls, he's in, uh, I guess, a gas station restroom, one with like one of those koala care changing tables. Uh, as he is changing baby Holly and you know he's you know putting on the whole Gucci Gucci goo voice and everything and the, the, he, he I just want to say this scene really kind of creeped me out because I didn't know about what uh, Walt's intentions were with Holly and I, I, I just I don't know it just really kind of added to the tension for me anyway Seems oh yeah definitely. this this mundane and this everyday uh concerning the situation you know like is he gonna take her to New Hampshire with him or what or something worse right but uh, he, he's holding the baby, and she starts going, Mama, Mama, Mama. And he breaks down. He gives her a kiss on the cheek. He holds her. And then we cut to this other scene with, uh, with everybody at the White Household when Walt calls. And this is where we get the third repeated version of the shot with the phone and the knives. As uh, uh, Marie picks, or Skylar rather, picks up the phone, the police start tracing the call, and they hold up a recorder so they can hear what's going on. And Walt calls and basically says, I told you what would happen if you crossed me. And he starts laying into her and saying all these things. And it took me about 30 seconds to realize what he's doing. Because they they, they specifically don't show you Holly there. And I'm like, is Holly dead? Did he freak out? Has he gone fully crazy? Um, but he starts letting into her. He's calling her names. He's telling Skylar that, you know, you, you told me to stop and you were just wrong. You didn't know anything. You didn't know half the things I did. And you tried to stop me, but you'll never win. And yada, yada, yada. And of course, uh, as it goes on, you realize, you know, Walt is, you know, he's just weeping. His tears are pouring down his face as he's telling his, you know, maybe final lie to Skylar. We saw his first lie to Skylar about meth in the beginning of the episode. And it was done there to, you know, keep her out of his business. And this time it's done to protect her and exonerate her and basically saying, basically putting everything on him as Heisenberg and exculpating her from any um, liability she might have in this case, or at least trying to. And and they keep asking, you know, where's Hank? Where's Holly? He says, you'll never see uh, Hank again. And uh, Marie breaks down. And then Hank, uh, and then Walt hangs up. And we see that he has left Holly at a local uh, fire truck nearby and left the lights on on the fire truck. So when one of the firefighters comes out, they find Holly with a note uh, attached to her to her jumper that has her address on it. And uh, we then cut to the final scene of the episode, which is probably the next morning where Walt is standing at that graveyard looking site that Jesse was standing at a few episodes ago as the red van from the vacuum cleaner uh, repairs disappear guy pulls up, Walt loads in the barrel, and he gets in and we cut to uh, the closing credits. And very specifically, they did not show who the driver was this episode yet again. It seemed to me like it was about halfway through the call that Skylar realized what Walt was doing. It was probably when he called her, uh, I don't know if we'd have to bleep this, so I'll just say the B word. And I think that was the moment where she was like, Oh, that that's not Walt. This is this is a, a thing. This is a uh, this is a lie. He's doing this uh, to help yeah, us. Yeah, I I have to say that I uh, it wasn't until after that scene was over and we were talking about it that that we I realized it was like oh he was now I see what he was doing and you know he was protecting his family. Possibly the last good act Walter White will ever do on the show, and probably the last time he'll get to speak to his wife. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I, I do wonder whether there will be any reconciliation or even just any other meeting between those parties again in the show. Yeah, 
I something tells me there there will be, even if it's indirect. Um, just to to back up a little bit, because I I'm sorry, I, I I cut out. Um, back to the to the struggle in the in the living room. One of the things that made me gasp out loud was when when Skyler did the you know kind of did the break check on on Walt Jr. I thought for a minute she was gonna pull the um like she was just gonna just do mass suicide like the whole mur- murder suicide thing and like stab him like just she moves so quickly um i just i just kind of gasped and then with that whole struggle thing i was i was certain that somebody was going to get stabbed i mean i just like i was like it's going to be an accident i really thought either skylar or walt jr was going to get knifed in in that struggle um and it was just it was just so crazy just at the edge of your seat just and then when he when he gets in the car and he he backs into the to Skyler's car and just floors it and you see that you know Johnson does that wide shot and you just see the tire squealing and that car slowly getting pushed back and then oh man it was just that I mean you know Jordan you've talked about one minute being you know tension filled but this was like that times you know 42 minutes I mean it was just like one tension filled moment to the next to the next it was just it was incredible oh like I said last week last week's episode kind of rivaled for me one minute in terms of my favorite episode I think this one has now topped it because I, I did not think you could top last week's episode or one minute, and they did it here, in my mind, unquestionably. Like, every minute of this episode was insane. It almost like It's almost like he sees, not, not that he sees red at that point, but at that point he realizes that she means business. Like, he, she's not just sort of posturing to keep him away from Flynn or, or whatever. Like, I think at that point it's like, uh-oh, you know, she's serious now, and that's when he has to go on the attack. And start rolling around. Yeah. The moment I really loved was actually at the end of that scene, before before the car. Um, the timing of it was so impeccable, but it's when Junior has wrestled Walt off and is getting in between the two of them. And I forget what the actual inciting action is. I think it's when Junior says, Not, hello, 911, I, I need to report an attack or whatever. But the timing of it... You cut to this wide shot with Walt holding the knife, and he looks down to his hand and drops the knife. But the timing of that in relation to whatever the action Junior took was, was so perfect and so cool. I wonder how many takes they had to do with that to get it that perfect. Um, It was just so telling that when he heard that line or whatever it was, that was when he realized what he had done as he went to that whole, we're a family, we're not supposed to act like this. Yeah, it was it was funny too. I was reading some comments uh, online of, on on some site about the you know the episode, and there were a bunch of people that were like piling on the writers about um, Walt Jr. calling nine one one on his father, and that they were like calling BS on that. And I I didn't get I, I didn't understand why there were so many negative comments and whether you know digging on the writing so much, but it totally made sense to me. I mean, at this point, he Walt Jr. knows what his father has been doing. It's been corroborated by two different people. It, it, like, I think the wheels in his head started turning and that everything started to make sense now that the, you know, the money, the cars, his behavior, like everything started to kind of finally click for him, even though at first he denied it. But when he found out that Hank was dead, that was the final straw. The call, I mean, things just got out of control in that house very quickly. And that's where he manned up to me. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was I, I thought it was good behavior on his part. Plus, I mean, it's like the only thing he can do. I mean, yes, he did wrestle his dad off of Skyler, but he's not going to be able to take his dad in a fight, probably. Um, that is the one weapon he really has that he can use. This whole thing has just kind of been sprung on him. All he knows is his parents just had a fight with a knife on the floor, and there's blood everywhere. And he thinks that like, his dad killed Hank. Right, he thinks his so, dad's a murderer. I mean, there, there's a lot going on there, and and yeah, I think that was appropriate. It's got it, it was it, it was kind of funny. Maybe funny is not a great word, but you know, like Waltz had all these secrets from the beginning, and Skyler could never turn him in because she was kind of involved, and then got like really involved. So now she had to do the lying. And Hank couldn't even turn them all in right away because it would look like Hank was involved. And here's Walt Jr. who just found out. And he's like, I'm calling the cops. You know, like, he's got nothing to do with it. I'm calling the cops. And you kind of saw the same thing about Marie this episode. You know, like, she's got nothing to worry. You know, like, we're just telling Walt Jr. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get into it too much. But uh, a number of years ago, a close family 
member of mine, uh, a cousin of my mom's, was murdered by her husband, um, which is why I don't really want to get into it. But one of the kids, or at least one of the kids, was there, and the first thing that kid did, it was a younger kid, was run next door and have the neighbors call the police. So, to me, this is not only plausible, but at least in one situation that I'm unfortunately familiar with, is exactly what would happen. And so it doesn't rub me the wrong way at all. It feels very apropos. Yeah, it just... and it was funny because it wasn't just one comment. It was like several comments. And they were, I mean, part of it is, yeah, it's the Internet and it's an open forum. So people are a-holes. But <laughs> it just was like unjustifiably harsh on the writing staff. I, and I just didn't. I was like, did, did you guys watch the same episode that I saw? Because, um, you know, I could see if you were like, well, maybe it didn't ring true. But, you know, trolls, you know, the trolls Internet trolls. does <laughs> not like the end of shows. <laughs> Haters love the hate, man. Yeah. So as the real ending comes closer, I would expect more and more hate. And no matter how many people like it, the people who didn't will be the loudest. Oh, yeah. That's always the truth. (laughs) Um, Now, this episode was called Ozymandias. Should we break now and play the clip from the the, the trailer? Sure. All righty. Let's play that right now. I met a traveler from an antique land who said... Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed and on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty and despair. Nothing beside remains, round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. So the, the poem Ozymandias by, uh, by Shelley, uh, Percy Bice Shelley, I don't know exactly how you pronounce that, Bis, Bysshe, B-Y-S-S-H-E. Per- Percy Bysshe Shelley, married to Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. Oh, wow. Of course. Um, you, you can point to a lot of similarities, and I think this is one of those cases where I can say it was definitely on purpose, um, between the poem and between this episode. Like where you say, like the the de- uh, the half sunk statue, uh, the half sunk shattered visions, which is exactly where like Walt falls down after Hank is shot, uh, and just look on my work, she mighty in despair. I mean that is this episode in a nutshell. This is everything finally coming down around Walt's head. Everything that he built up, thinking his empire would never be destroyed, falling around him and destroying everything he was fighting for. Um, as the as the resident English major on the crew here, um, the uh, the poem basically speaks of you know the how no matter how what empire is, is is built, no matter how great and how long it stands, eventually must fall. It, it basically speaks of you know like the Egyptians and the Romans and all the different great societies. No matter how great you know the 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 um, the inscription on the the statue is you know I, I'm the great Osmandeus, look upon you know my works seem mighty in despair. Yet it's found on a ruin that's you know thousands of years old and weather worn and, and beaten down into nothing. So I mean the whole poem you know the whole theme of the poem is that you know the the the, the you know no matter how great and mighty your empire becomes it is eventually going to fall and that's why it fits so well now in breaking bad nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck boundless and bare the lone and level sands stretch far away right it's almost like poetry (laughs) it's so beautiful almost almost (laughs) and uh, they actually released you can google it but there's a picture of walt recorder of uh Brian Cranston recording that poem or right before he recorded it. It's a black and white photo. It's pretty cool. And it's just a perfect, it's the, the perfect metaphor for, for his downfall. Oh, yeah. Especially when you juxtapose that with him going back to the house in the flash forward episode and you see his house is in ruin. You know, the, there's graffiti in the inside. There's, you know, just, you know, all that he was in, in that house and with his family is gone. Like it's, it's, he's able to, himself look upon his own work and see how it's it's completely gone 
in, instead of Ozymandias, it, it says Heisenberg there, and it is in ruins. So what else do you want to say about this episode, guys? I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff. We've talked about a lot of it already, but is there any other things that stick out to you as I, whatever? I, well, you know? what stuck out to me, and again, not a spoiler, certainly, a, a hunch, which I, nothing that I've tried, nothing that I've had hunches on has, has come true. But to me, the end of, of this episode, or by the end of this episode, it was clear to me for some reason... That Walt and the semi-automatic machine gun or automatic machine gun that he has in the future is to get Jesse out of the being the meth monkey. Well, that I kind of disagree. I feel like it's to get the money, and then I have the question of will he come around? And well, save well, Jesse? my my thinking, Jordan, is, and and it might go it might go that route, but like my thinking is, you know, they focused so much on family and really you know, punched us in the face with family this episode. It, could it be that, you know, Jesse is the only, quote, family that he has left after this? Wow. Or his only shot at redemption is pulling Jesse out of this? You know, and I know they, I guess they hate each other at this point, right? Like, Jesse would probably attack mm-hmm. Walt on site, and Walt's not too fond. And Walt assumes that Jesse's but dead. Well, what I'm saying is this is a future jump, right? We got a few months before True. Walt... So maybe somewhere, maybe that blue meth is back on the street. Maybe Saul comes around and says, I have word that they have Jesse cooking still, you know, after a period of time. And Walt's only shot at, you know, I don't know. For some reason, the only thing I can think of now with that machine gun is he's got to go in there against those Nazis and try to blast his way to Jesse. Suicide by Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, considering I mean he didn't have to tell her, he didn't have to tell Jesse about Jane at all, but yet he did. No, I know at this you point know? he hates him, but again, we're we're about to do a future jump. You know, maybe five months into the future, Walt hasn't spoken to his family. He's got nothing left. You know, he gets a bit of information that they still have Jesse, and this is his last ditch shot. You know, I I I wonder if. He's not going to use, like I said, suicide by Jesse. He's not going to take care of the Nazis, get Jesse out, get the money, and then tell Jesse, okay, now you can have your revenge. I'm dying. I'm miserable. I'm just going sure to say swallow that basically rice be in pain and misery. <laughs> you know, shoot me in the head or what or, or whatnot. You know, leave this much money for Skylar and the kids and go on about your way. Uh, you know, th- this was the one episode that stressed me out completely. Uh, just... From beginning to end, it was just so just like, and, uh, you know, after it was done, after it was done. (laughs) Can we quote you? (laughs) Yes, well said. Can can we start the campaign now to get the actress who plays Holly an Emmy for her work (laughs) in this episode? Because that was freaking amazing. Um, From the mama to the sad face she put on. I mean, working, you know, as they say, you never work with kids and animals in, in show business, but... I don't know how much work they had to put into it. I don't know how much happy accident it was. But however they got the performance they got out of that child, assuming it was anything <laughs> short of child abuse, deserves an Emmy because that was You amazing. know, I have to work with a uh, – I'm shooting with a uh, uh, an actress and uh, a five-year-old next week. <laughs> yeah. My and I am, I am very afraid. <laughs> Those are hard days. I mean, the kid, you just – you know, it's so funny. That kid – controls everything if that kid has a tantrum we are down for the day (laughs) you just gotta you just gotta walk around real nice and you know don't give her sugar and just make sure everything's okay and um yeah but holly she deserves some type of an award and you know one thing i did hear from the official podcast was that mama scene that holly did that was actually uh apparently was a happy accident the, the baby didn't even have a line on that but she she just started doing the mama thing and they apparently got it so apparently it, it was an accident but it just it fit in it was perfect yeah because i don't think that scene works as well without it like he needs that mama to set off the realization that the girl needs her mother more than she needs him and without it the scene still works, but not nearly. You know, as may- well. maybe they just needed Holly to look sad. You know, maybe they did take away the baby's binky and and was hoping for a sad face, and they got the mama, and it just worked out better. 
but it was very, very good. Now, this episode, a little news-wise, was the most-watched episode of Breaking Bad ever. It got 6.4 million viewers, and it also had uh, 4.052 million viewers in the 18-49 to demographic, which is the one that's most important to advertisers. So, uh, good news for Breaking Bad, uh, presumably good news for Better Call Saul. And uh, congratulations all around, I guess. Not only was it an awesome episode, but they uh, reaped their just rewards from it as well. And can you imagine if if it was the cliffhanger and all the talk that brought in this many people from last week? What is the the talk from this episode going to do for next week's episode? Like, are we looking at just a continuous ramp up in terms of uh, numbers all the way to the finale? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is one of those things where you just want to watch live because uh, just of uh, Facebook and Twitter, I mean... You don't want to be spoiled by it. And the only way not to do that is to watch it when it's on or as soon as possible. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be like almost like a sporting event. People just want to see it when it happens. I've, now, it's interesting. Next week's episode, uh, is it next week's or was it this week's? goes up against the Emmys. Yeah. Uh, this coming week, I think. Yeah, and I guess it was the technical Emmys that were this Sunday. Um, but, yeah, so <laughs> uh, the... This will be going up the thing that will be giving it lots of awards, presumably. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's also up against Sunday Night Football. And, you know, there's only two more episodes of this. People are going to watch the show. This is going to have some life on home video and Netflix and stuff because there was a real boom late in this show's life. You know, I've, I've just recently. Yeah, I, I couldn't, you know, even myself, I didn't get, you know, you guys didn't turn me on to it until season four was about to air on television. Uh, the people that I was trying to convince to jump on haven't, you know, listened until very recently and they're still catching up and trying to get to the live episodes. I mean, and, you know, the show's over. So and this will be one of those shows that, you know, unless they drop the ball massively in the next two episodes, which hope, you know. Hopefully they don't. This will be one of those shows that, unlike, say, you know, you think of like a Battlestar Galactica or something where, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but people will say, oh, it's a great show for the first season or two, and then it kind of gets weird and you can skip it after season three or whatever, or a show where, uh, you know, it eventually gets good. It has some good moments. This will be one of those shows that you can go watch this show. It's awesome all the way through the end. I mean, it gets better. The more you watch it, the better it gets. Yeah, it gets better and better and better and better. I can't even... And it starts I, I can't awesome. even think of many episodes that I would call uneven or weak or... You know, even like things like Lost and other things that we loved. You'd get episodes where you'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, Nikki and Paolo? <laughs> Stranger in a Strange Land. Yeah, I mean, but this show, really, I mean, the weakest episodes are not even... You know, they might be slower paced at best. I mean... Yeah, and even ones that people in the moment will go, oh, I didn't like that episode as much, like Fly. In retrospect, it's considered one of the show's best episodes. Rightfully so, you know. It's it's amazing. Yeah, there, you're right. There are very few shows you can say that all the way, you know, consistently beginning to end. You know, start well, run well, and then end well. You know, a lot of times, you know, like like you said, Battlestar Galactica is a good example of missing the landing. You know, like, um, it just, you know, it, everything that built up to that was so great. And then the, the way it ended, at least in my opinion, was a huge letdown. Um, again, you know, I've heard that about Lost as well. The only other shows I can think of that even come to mind that are close would be like The Wire. And uh, even The Sopranos is kind of a disappointing conclusion. I mean, it just kind of stopped, you know. Do we have anything else to talk about with Breaking Bad before we close it out, gentlemen? No. I th- yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, before we close it out and uh, give our little somewhat spoilery look at next week's episode, Jim, you're going to be at Pittsburgh Comic Con soon, right? Can you tell our listeners what that's all about and what you'll be doing there? September 27th, 28th, 29th, um, we'll be at Pittsburgh uh, Comic Con, and not only will we we'll be having the Geek Throwdown Party, uh, we'll be back in effect this year on Friday night. Uh, in my new farmhouse. Oh, uh, we'll also be, uh, I'll also be uh, hosting the trivia contest on Saturday at noon in the big ballroom, brought to you by the HHWLOD Network and Action Lab Comics. Um, we'll be there all weekend long, 27th, 28th, 29th. Come on down, say hi, uh, say hello. We'll be recording uh, interviews and uh, stuff at the Geek Throwdown as well as through the con. So if you, you want to be on the show, come find me. I'm the big tall guy with the deep voice. And... Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, like I said, Saturday in the main room, the trivia contest, big stack of books with a lot, from a lot of great sponsors. Uh, if you know a lot of useless things about comics, uh, if I can, if I you know if I can't stump you, you might win. It's a winner take all type thing. So uh, Pittsburgh Comic Con, 27th, 28th, 29th, uh, here in Pittsburgh. Be there or be square. <laughs> all right, very cool. Check that out for sure. Well, that's it for this episode. You can always go to hhwlod.com to check out all of our many fine podcasts of all different types. We got Half Hour Wasted. We got The Long Box of Doom, Jersey Shore, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, uh, The Black Box, and many, many more. You can always send us an email at hermanos at hhwlod.com, or you can send us a voicemail at 516-468-7912. That's 516-468-7912. Check us out on Facebook. There are Facebook groups for many of our shows, including Los Podcast Hermanos. And you can follow us on Twitter at HHWLOD underscore network. And so remember, listeners, we are not in danger. We are the danger. The finest deep-fried podcast in the Albuquerque area. (laughs) And next week on Breaking Bad... Listen up, folks. If you don't want to be spoiled on anything, even remotely, tune out now. Have a good week. Next week on Breaking Bad in the penultimate episode of the show. That means second to last for anybody who doesn't graduate high school. Uh, We have Granite State. And Granite State is, of course, a reference to New Hampshire, where presumably by the end of the episode or by the beginning of the episode, Walt will find himself in. Of course, that's where Walt, as Mr. Lambert in the two flash forwards this season, Uh, is said to have been from, whether he actually goes to New Hampshire or just creates that as a cover identity, we will see. But the episode will be written and directed by Peter Gould. Remember, he's the guy who co-created Saul Goodman with Vince Gilligan and who will possibly be show-running Better Call Saul come uh, very soon. Uh, So check that out for sure. The synopsis we have from AMC is just as vague and telling us nothing as ever, and that is... Events set in motion long ago move towards a conclusion. Well, yeah, no duh. That is, <laughs> that is of course, what will be happening. But I do have a little bit of possibly spoilery information about casting. Uh, it's not too bad, but I mentioned in the episode we never saw who drove the van. The van from the vacuum cleaner repair shop slash just appearing uh, guy. And we never saw him when Jesse was going to be picked up. This has been very conspicuously. They have never shown who the guy is. Does anybody want to take a guess at who they think it? Well, let, be? let me ask: Is it is it a character? Are you talking character or actor? Hmm. Actor. Sam Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Get that barrel in the van. Um, I like your idea you mentioned earlier of David Cross. David Cross. Since they already have Bob Odenkirk. Um, maybe since Vince Gilligan was on X Files for so long, maybe it should be uh, David Duchovny. That was my guess too, David Duchovny. Or I was thinking it would actually be a cool place for Vince Gilligan to have his own cameo oh, in yeah. the show. Ah, yeah. But the rumor, and this is probably true, th- Frankie this actor, Munoz. <laughs> that was another rumor I saw that was kind of Sorry. funny. This actor, from what I understand, will definitely be in the episode. Whether he plays this role or not, I don't know, but I think it would make sense. Uh, They were recently on, and when I say they, Vince Gilligan, Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul, and uh, uh, Anna Gunn were on the Charlie Rose show. Charlie Rose let loose the spoiler, accidentally, that he would be in the second-to-last episode. So, I'm putting two and two together and saying... Possibly, this is not for sure, but possibly Charlie Rose, he of the black background, will be the driver of the van. Well, if you were to extrapolate from your theory, um, that same episode of Charlie Rose that they recorded with the Breaking Bad cast was also the one that Stephen Colbert came on uh, dancing to get lucky uh, when the uh, cold, cold cello thing that he wanted to do kind of fell through. So maybe it'd be Stephen Colbert driving the van. I feel like that would be too <laughs> weird. I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't bother me, I don't think, necessarily. But Jane Jane Casmeric. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I thought Frankie Fra- Munoz. Frankie Munoz would be yeah. I, would that be distracting? He's too young anyway. He's too young. Well, I mean keep uh, in mind he's, he's, to drive now. he's a professional yeah, he's, driver actually. He drives um race cars. Yeah, some type of race cars. Oh, and he's gotta be pushing he's gotta be pushing thirty at this point though. Yeah. yeah, I think so. He looks young, but he's older. 
and you haven't seen him recently. He looks Someone to be like did. a like a fixer, like like this vacuum cleaner guy is supposed to be. I don't know. I would imagine someone older, like a Charlie Rose, but I guess we'll see. Maybe it's Affleck. I mean, Cranston was in Argo, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. What about uh, Mr. Fox himself? I hope it's Affleck now just to blow the freaking pants off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> as Batman. Ben Affleck as Batman. As, Batman, as, uh, as him. He's behind the wheel of the van. He looks at him and goes, I'm Batman. And, and I said the fox before. I meant the wolf. Winston Wolf. Harvey Keitel. How cool would it be if it was the original? Oh, that would be, would be pretty dang cool. That would be hilarious. And he would be one of those guys who I'd go, oh, I get the reference, but it also, like, a Stephen Colbert, I feel like, would be kind of distracting, because it's, hey, look, it's Stephen Colbert. Whereas even a Charlie Rose, I think you can get away with it, because he's not known for being an actor. Um, but Harvey Keitel, even though he's known for being an actor, that would be just awesome. I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. If it's Charlie Rose, I'm going to be very disappointed. It's the, uh, the mustache guy from the DEA office, the guy with the curly mustache, like he has a side business. <laughs> The yeah, crazy white it, goatee. <laughs> That'd be cool. Like it turns out he he has an, he's the inside man on the DEA and he does this. Anyway. Well, we have any other guesses, gentlemen, or should we send this one on home? The, the only thing I have to add is in the in the preview video they showed it it's Saul talking to it presumably the Walt. So my guess is I think either the pre credit scene or something, we're gonna get a flashback to how Walt got to the spot where the cleaner guy was called in. Yeah, and it should be mentioned that Saul in that clip says, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but no, regardless of how hard you tried in that phone call, they're still going to try to press charges probably on Skyler. And so it may have all been for naught. And when, whether that comes true or not, who knows? It could just be Saul overreacting. But um, very interesting if it turns out that in the future, Skyler's in prison. Hmm. But we shall see. That'd be harsh. So uh, without any further ado, have a good week, everybody. Good night.